No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Hey, everyone. I'm Christy Lundy. I am a coach with Club Wealth, and this is Club Wealth TV. Welcome here today with Matt Hermes. Is that how I say your last name? That's it. Nice. And today we are going to talk about his story and how he went um, from really deep in debt to a GCI of $1.2 million. And, you know, he's got a disc profile of an admin, but he's a team leader and your disc profile doesn't define you. So join us today and, uh, you know, let's hear a story. Matt. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. So after the crash, you were really deep in debt, like $250,000 and, you know, taking an hourly job to put food on your table. And now you've come back, you've built a team, $1.2 million in GCI. And I'm guessing your disc profile is like an SC. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah I'm, the, I'm the, I'm the perfect administrative assistant. Right. So, <laughs> um, it kind of, it baffles people when, when I go through and did the, the disc and then, you know, the, the ABA and then the KPA, which is a killer type uh, personality profile assessment. It's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting dynamic to be a huge introvert and to be able to be where we are today. And, and I guess I say that from uh, what I try to explain to people is that I'm, I'm a huge introvert, but I have my moments where I know I need to just kind of step out uh, of myself for a very short amount of time, being an hour or 15 minutes, and then I can go back inside my own little bubble. But, um, you know, it's just what I, it's what I do, but, you know, kind of stepping back, it's what I had to do um, to kind of get out of the position I was, I was in. So, you know, if you want to go back to uh, the debt part, you know, well, it's yeah, take us back. So when did you start in real estate? Take us back to the beginning. And when you got those results of your KPI and, and disc profile and people were telling you, Hey, you should be an admin. How did that feel? And how did you move past that into to where you are today? Sure. Well, I, I got my, got my real estate license in 2002. My wife and I um, had just moved down from Charlotte to, <clears throat> excuse me, to Decula, Georgia. We were um, we adopted two kids from the Ukraine back in uh, July of 2001. And, and right before we left to go on our trip, um, my wife found out she was pregnant again. And we didn't have a problem staying pre getting pregnant. We had a problem staying pregnant. Mm -hmm. So uh, we adopted two kids. And, and a couple of days before we left to go on our trip, we found out that she was pregnant again. So we made the decision to just go on the trip adopt our two, our son and our, and our daughter, and then came back on July 5th of 2000. And then into uh, January 5th of 2001. So six months to the day later, we had our biological child. So went from zero to three kids in six months um, and had no wow. family in Charlotte. So my wife said, I think we need to move to Atlanta, be near my mom and my sister. And I was all on board for that. So 
make a long story short, we we put our house on the market in uh, in Charlotte with an agent that allowed me to list the house for what I wanted, not what I should have, and put the house on the market, a $120,000 house that we listed for $170,000. It showed once and finally got someone to tell us the truth and said, you know what, you need to list it at 125, I think it was. And that person ended up selling us the house, but literally he showed up for the listing appointment. I did not hear from him again until he sat at the closing table and collected a $3,600 check. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, if this bozo can do that, I can do it. <clears throat> so a lot of realtors and real estate agents get into the yeah. business for just that reason. We could just do it better. Yeah. So we moved down to uh, moved down to Atlanta. I was working in another career. Nine um, eleven happened, and I saw the writing on the wall. You know, with what my job was. You know, I, I knew I was going to be downside. So I said, you know what? I'll get my real estate license uh, just for investing, and you know, kind of went back on you know that experience that I had. And did get downsized. And so I had no other option. So I just jumped into real estate. And from 02 to 06, you know, I was doing uh, doing very well. You know, by 2006, I think my GCI was $254,000. You know, you like to talk about... Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you like to talk about, you know, GCI. And it's it's not all about GCI. It's what you bring home. It's oh. you know, your net, you know. Um, but that's what people like to talk about. So it was, you know, a quarter of a million. I was living life large in, you know, 2006, uh, bought a big house. Uh, and that was March, I think it was March 16th of 2006. And the market crashed on March 17th. Um, or so, so it felt like. Well, you bought your house and then the next day. It seemed like it, <laughs> you know, so, um, so we went into a tailspin. I mean, from a from a market position, and and you know during that time there was some internal stuff going on that I was dealing with. So if you fast forward a couple years, um, 2008, my my son was diagnosed with a real rare uh, bleeding disorder. That he was missing an enzyme in his in his bloodstream that um, needed to be. Uh, he had to have enzyme replacement therapy. So that's challenging. And, and what was more challenging is that every time a, a shipment of his medicine hit our doorstep, it was a $25,000 bill. So, and that was every two weeks. Oh my gosh. So the market is crashing. Um, we're not selling much, if, if anything. My son just found out he's got this and we dealt with that for about a year. And then our biological child and um, 2000 or mid 2009, she lost her eyesight. So we go from, and you know, all those medical bills. And so I got my terrible business. I've got my son and then I've got my daughter. Um, so, you know, we're dealing with a lot and it just life sucked and and business was, was awful. So what I did is, you know, us in business as business people, we like to have an exit strategy. Right. So when I retire, I'm going to do this or I want to sell my businesses and do this. So my exit strategy in, in 2009 was a lot different than most people's. Um, mine was uh, got a, a good insurance policy on on myself just so, you know, in case something happened, my wife would be well taken care of. 
uh, decided to, we would have to file bankruptcy because of all the debt that we were in. We were losing our house and we eventually lost our house. We lost mm -hmm. both of our cars. Um, but it was kind of all set up for me to, you know, the, the strategy that I had was um, I was just going to take my truck and I was going to go up exit to on interstate 85 in Atlanta, drive about 50 miles to exit 173. And I was going to just drive the truck off the bridge and mm -hmm. let, uh, let my wife, you know, get an insurance policy. There was going to be no, you know, no note. There was going to be no, no trace of, of anything. Yeah. And she was going to be a lot better off. Um, looking back on it now, I know that was really weird thinking, but on, on November 13th, which is Friday, Friday the 13th in, in 2009 is, is when I had my big revelation, which is, um, I was an alcoholic. Um, I was destroying my family. Uh, my finances were partly because of, of my drinking. I was a functional alcoholic. I never missed a day of work, never got a speeding ticket, never got a DUI, never got an accident. You know, none of that stuff that you think is alcoholic, but I was drinking way too much. And on that day, my wife came to me and I'll never, ever, I hope I never, ever forget this. She, she said, Matt, I talked to my mom. Um, she said, we're welcome. Myself and the kids are welcome at the house, her house, but you're not. And I'm like, holy crap. Wow. And I knew I was an alcoholic. She told me that I needed to stop drinking 20, 30, 40, 50 times, you know, however many times. But that's when it finally it sunk in. Mm -hmm. Um, so on, uh, you know, I just passed my 10 year anniversary of, of not having a drink, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. Well, thank you. Wow. Um, but man, it sucked, you know, and, and I tell people I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my past on, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I'm a much better person than I am, uh, than I was 10 years ago. I wouldn't wish it on anyone because I, we were going through hell. Yeah. I mean, we lost the car and the, the cars and the house and that's material stuff. But when you lose your child's eyesight and your son's got this debilitating, you know, disease, um, you really got to look inside yourself and, and figure out, are you doing this for, for you or are you doing it for them? And, and up until that point, for a good handful of years, everything I was doing was because of me or for me. Um, and you were in the so, darkest darkest place when you had that turning point moment and so yeah, that, it was. after that moment where did you go well I just um we we ended up we were about a day or two from being homeless and and got a, a former client of mine allowed us to to lease this house so we found a place to live um and I I made a decision that I was just not going to allow myself ever, ever, ever to get in that situation again no matter what the economy did no matter you know Whatever it was, I was just not going to allow it. Um, so I, I really just stepped back and I just reset my career. I, I, I started, literally started from scratch. And that's where I like to tell people, Christy, is that it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. Mm -hmm. You can do, I mean, you know, you can do whatever you put your mind to. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, I'm not the, you know, sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, I like to say our R&D department, which everybody's heard the rip off and duplicate department is fantastic. Um, so we just, I just started building things. And, and really what I, my main focus was my first couple of years, because we had no money, 
was to give back in incredible ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that I did was just to give back because we got a lot of help. We got a lot of uh, uh, moral, emotional, a little bit of financial help through with from people, you know, when we were broke. Mm-hmm. And I started to do volunteer. I started to offer my my time. And it was amazing what happened was that in doing that, it's just like, you know, the good book says you, you give and you get 10 tenfold. Mm-hmm. To me, it was almost a hundredfold, it seemed like. Um, so very quickly it, it things started to turn around. And and to this day, um I we, you know. Are, are are giving as as much as we can. You know, my blind daughter and I started a charity back in 2009, uh, collecting shoes that we donate uh, to a homeless mission here, and mm-hmm. we collected I think 24, 25,000 pairs of shoes that we donate um, every Thanksgiving. We our team we just uh, donated our. Uh, well, I say we we as a team, but our community just uh, provided 114 meals for needy families. Awesome. You know, we're always trying to do that stuff. And, and that's, um, it's awesome. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's so cool to be able to give back uh, because we're so fortunate. We are, we are so blessed with, with all the opportunities that we've been provided that I can't wrap my head around how lucky I am. I really can't. So I've talked a whole long time. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> so I want to know, so you said, you know, you reset your business, you went back to basics. Yeah. For you to, to, you know, $250,000 worth of debt is a lot. And you were in a really dark place in a bad time in the economy. So for you to come out of that and be the person you are now is so incredible and inspiring. So what did those steps look like? And when did you start team building? And what does that look like for you now? Great. That's a great question. And what's your admin's disc profile? (laughs) (laughs) She's an SC. Uh, And I, uh, I allow myself to step out of her role as much as I can because uh, I tend to want to take control of things and that's, that's never good. Um, <laughs> so, you know, really to what we did to reset, was that one of the questions or where, where, yeah. Where so yeah, you had said that, you know, you were in that really deep, deep, dark place and, and you reset your business, you started again, you decided that you were never going to be in that position again. So what did that look like when you started? And then when did you start team building and what does that look like today? Sure. So to really reset, like I said, you know, it was it was focused on giving, and our my main source of opportunities and business was from the our farm where I live, work, and play. We we live in a large community of twenty two hundred homes. We had lived in that community for seven years up to that point, so I just started building my business around what I knew best. Um, I went and visited every home that was on the market. I went and stepped out of my country comfort zone and started calling on expireds. And, you know, back in 2010, 11, 12, there was a lot of those, right. Um, with, you know, the market hadn't reset and hadn't really started to come back. So, um, it was that it was volunteering at different events. It was spending instead of 500 bucks, I could afford 50 bucks to do a, uh, a, a spring carnival. And, and I would do that. And, the you know, the little, things that we would give away was I would invest, you know, money that I didn't have in koozies and, and stuff like that, just to get the name out. Mm-hmm. And that really started um, to build a, a, a decent amount of momentum. I, in 2011, and the, I think 
first year back, 2010, I think I think my income was like at 60 or 65,000, which is a heck of a lot more than it was in 2009. Yeah. Um, and then in, in 2011, I doubled that. Mm-hmm. And then 2012, doubled that. So what I did, and I was very purposeful, and, and one of the things that I, I like about, um, you know, what you guys do, Club Wealth, is mm-hmm. it's, it's coaching. I got into coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in Keller Williams. I'm a Keller Williams agent. What I did is my first step of, of coaching was I got into a program called Bold, which is a eight week just training session, very hardcore. And then from that, I made the decision full time when I saw the results that I was going to get into coaching. And, and that's I've been in uh, you know coaching ever since. So anyone that's not in coaching, if they're listening to this and this is not a sales pitch, you know, for Club Wealth or any other program. But if you're gonna, if you're going to build yourself and build a business, you can't do it alone. There's just no way to do it by yourself because you're limited in what you know, right? And you, you don't, don't know what you, what you don't know. Sometimes. You don't know what you don't know. Yes. So why would you keep doing? And you know, the definition of insanity and in, in alcoholic speak is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, mm-hmm. if you're not getting the results that you want, you got to do something different. Yeah. So. Coaching was a big thing for me. And, and so I did the bold and then I got into, you know, Keller Williams coaching program that worked very well. I was very hesitant about it because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if I don't see the results, you know, within a year, I'm going to stop. Well, the results were I doubled my income. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, it was doubling my income. So in 2013 is when I started to build a team and I did it wrong. I should have hired an admin first. Uh, but I didn't. I hired a buyer's agent thinking that that's the cool way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I found myself being the admin, mm-hmm. which and, and I was um, it just it, it wasn't working. I'm, I'm supposed to be leading this team and, and building this team. But I was doing the activities, the dollar per hour activities that I shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my role. It's kind of where my disc profile is. But but it's not what I knew I needed to be doing. So that lasted six, eight months, and then finally brought in after um, speaking with and getting nailed head over, banged over the head of you got to find, you got to find an admin. Mm -hmm. I did that wrong. I hired a part-time admin and invariably that 20 hours that I needed were the 20 hours that that person was off. Yep. So Matt became the admin again. And then the admin, when she did come in, was doing work that I was having to do over again, or she was having to do over again. So um, that's another, uh, you know, kind of an interesting story. I didn't want to let that person go because there was, some. Um, uh, she was struggling with financially and with had young kids and, yeah. um, it, that was hard. Uh, yeah. but it was one of those where we came to a mutual understanding that this just wasn't going to work. And, and from there, I spent more money than I thought I could on an admin. Uh, turned out to be a great decision. She stayed with me for uh, six years. She just left us for uh, a different opportunity, which I'm excited for. No hard feelings. And the assistant operations manager that we had um, for a year and a half just stepped into that role. So currently with we're seven agents on our team, mm-hmm. uh, a full-time operations manager and a full-time marketing manager. Oh, wow. So you've got the eight of you and then two admins, so 10 total. Yeah, and I do everything that I can not to not to list or work with buyers. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're, one of my 
you're almost totally out of production then. Almost. I'm, I'm not there 100%. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I like to tell, you know, potential members of my team is that you come join us, you come work with us. And it's not my team, it's our team. I, mm-hmm. I hate the word I. Yeah. Uh, is that you're not going to have to compete with the rainmaker. And I think that's important. You know, you don't want someone saying, oh, well, you take, you cherry pick this lead, this lead, this lead. I, I don't want that. I want them to have, you know, my ultimate goal is for the agents on our team to make as much money as they, as they want yeah. and be able to take off as much time as they want. I've got agent here that's been with me three years, taking probably four or five weeks of vacation, mm-hmm. uh, has a great life. And I'm like, are you happy with things? Oh my gosh, this is great. Do you want to do anything different? How many more deals do you want to do? No, I'm, I'm good. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the support of a team is so important. I love that you talked about some of the the missteps that you took in building the team and hiring the wrong agent to start, hiring the wrong admin, you know, setting things up incorrectly. Because I think a lot of people just building a team do that. And then when they find they're walking down this wrong path, they just kind of blow everything up and stop. You know, what kept you moving forward in team building? especially having had the experience of losing everything. Well, I think that was part of it. I think that was it. It was the fear of failure. I, I, I mean, even today, I, I'm petrified of, of failing again. That's why I think of, that we work so hard um, or I work so hard. The, I never want to put my wife in that position again. I, I told her, I think five years ago, if you never want to work again, um, you never will have to. And, and she hasn't, she quit and she's been, um, helping with my daughter, the blind daughter, taking her to and from swimming every day. And, um, she plays tennis and she goes, gets to do the things that she wants because of the commitment that I made for her. And that's something that I, I want for her. Yeah. You know, so I, you have, you're going to make mistakes hiring people. I did, you know, um, it's inevitable. I wish it was perfect. Yeah, I hire the I hire wrong agents, and I don't let them go back into the workforce fast enough. Um, and that's hard because I love people, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's you know part of who I am. Because uh, if their feelings hurt, then they don't like me, and then my ego get, takes a hit. And I, don't like, <laughs> I don't like not to be liked. So. Are you sure you're not an I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, trust me. I walk in. I walk into a room of people. I've I've got my phone. And I'm looking down at my phone, pretending I'm looking at a text message or pretending I'm talking with someone to avoid eye contact with people. Well, and that's so funny because you, you said at the beginning that you're, you know, really introverted. Mm-hmm. And when you did that reset, you talked a lot about being belly to belly with people and getting out there and the volunteer work and that really being the base of your business. And so you mentioned earlier having to kind of step outside yourself. Was there a process for that? Did you just have to go do it? Well, I think I, for me, it was, it, was a, it was a process, Christy, but it wasn't something that I was purposeful about doing until I kind of stepped back and I realized, oh, this is what I'm doing. So the way I look at it is, is all I have to do is step outside my comfort zone for a blank amount of time. If mm-hmm. it's a listing appointment, all I have to do is step out of my comfort zone for an hour. And then I can go back into my little introverted self, but it's, and I tell, you know, the people that, that choose to work with me, if, if they're struggling with that, it's like, just don't be yourself for 15 minutes, 
and just be on the phone for 15 minutes and be okay being hung up on or being told no or whatever. But the reason that you're being hung up on or being told no is because you're not giving them a reason to say yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just step outside. You can always step back into your little shell, you know, and go from there. So that's eventually I learned that's what I needed to do was just say, I'm going to I'm going to be an extrovert for X. I mean, being on this call, knowing that there are people in Facebook land, it makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting on a, a plane to go up to Chicago here in, in an hour and go speak in front of I don't know how many people. And that makes me uncomfortable. But I do it because I, I've got to share my story. I've got to share who I am. I got to share the techniques that we've done to build the business where we are, because someone needs to know. Someone needs to know the the shit, the, the crap that I went through. Yeah. To get out of it themselves. And I'm, I'm open about my, yeah, I'm open about who I am because, um, somebody needs to hear it and I don't know who it is, but invariably something, something good is going to come out of it, which, which helps, uh, keep me, you know, sober. Yeah. Well, and so I have a question about that too, is, so I think there are a lot of people in your position. There are a lot of people who are SEs or introverted, you know, who are building teams who work in real estate and you know, it seems like before the crash, alcohol was that, that place for you. What do you do to recharge now? When you are out in front of a lot of people, you're going out to speak, you're on this show. What do you do to reset yourself after, after that experience? How do you recharge? Um, man, that's a good question. If it's, uh, if it's in between type meetings, I will, I'll just find a quiet spot and just read something or, you know, I'm a big, you know, self-help motivational type book guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll dive into that or I'll find a, a good article. And even if it's for five minutes, it just allows me to just kind of reset myself and, and get calmed down. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a week or a, a stressful few days, you know, certainly I'll go and I'll, um, I'll go play golf. I'm playing more golf uh, this past year than I have in, in a long time, which is, which is good. Um, tennis is another thing. And, you know, just, uh, it just be by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I have to do. Um, and sometimes, you know, people are like, well, you're, you don't talk, you don't like, I'm smiling on the inside, but it doesn't look like it here. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, it totally does. What are some of your favorite self-help books or just books in general? Uh, the Go-Giver is a really good one. Um, that doesn't surprise me, you know, with your story and, and how you reset and, and the yeah, that your team does. Um, you're, uh, gosh, I forget who wrote it, but one of my favorites is You're a Badass. Mm-hmm. Um, but a uh, woman that, that wrote it, and it was just, that was awesome. Um, let me say Michael Mayer's Seven Levels of Communication is, is a great book. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. That was the one book that when I first got uh, back in business, I was really, I read probably four or five times. So those would be good examples. Yeah. So hopefully everyone watching right now is taking notes of those books. And if they haven't read them, um, you know, are putting them on their to read list for 2020 or something great to finish out 2019. So what else, what big takeaways should our viewers have from your story and 
what you've experienced and if there's something that you could keep someone else from doing, what would it be? Man, that's a great question. Um, so Christy, I would say it's a, a couple of things. Number one, no one expects you to do anything alone other than yourself. Okay. And we are our own worst enemy. Um, be okay failing, but also know that you've got to get back up. You know, I almost drove my truck off a bridge and almost ended my life because I was being selfish and I was looking out after me instead of those that, that loved me and cared about me. And I don't think I ever would have done that, but man, it was, I had the whole thought process and being an S and a C, you know, that if you know that, what that is, it's a planner and you got, you know, checklists and, and I had it, you know, um, don't ever give up on yourself. I, I think that was one of the big things that. I can look back now and say, you know, I screwed up a lot. I did a lot of really crappy things and, and or stupid things, I should say. Um, but a lot of it wasn't my fault. I mean, I, I couldn't have predicted that the economy was going to go where it was. Um, I couldn't predict that, you know, millions of people would have to, you know, short sale and foreclose on their homes. I, I, I didn't I don't know that. What I could have done is I could have handled my alcohol better. I could have handled how much I love and I respect my wife and, and my kids better. I could have done better there. Mm-hmm. So some things are out of our control, but but the majority we can really handle and, and we can um, we can change. Yeah. And I think probably the biggest thing for me and the thing that I I really like to enjoy and, and really enjoy probably the most is is the opportunity to give back. Um, why I talked about the Thanksgiving baskets that we as a team give out back in, uh, it was either 2008 or 2009. I cannot remember the year when we were broke and I was working at Costco at four in the morning just to buy Christmas presents. Um, a family reached out to us actually from our church and gave us a basket full of food for Thanksgiving that we would not have been able to buy a Thanksgiving meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that same Christmas, uh, some friends from our church brought her bought our kids uh, some Christmas presents. And, and one of the things was they each got a pair of tennis shoes that we could not have afforded. Um, and what a blessing to be able to do that to somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and do it. And, and what's even better, do it and not let them know that you've done it. Mm-hmm. So giving back, I would say, don't ever give up on yourself. Give back more than uh, you ever intend to receive and just, and do what you love. Here's the thing. Do what you love in the business, okay? I don't call expireds. I don't call FISBOs. I don't do, you know, all that because I hate it. So mm-hmm. why would I do it? Yeah. So I like the, the giving back. I love the community uh, events. I love doing those types of things. So that's where I focus on. Now I've got people on my team that will do the other things, mm-hmm. but don't do crap that you hate because you're going to hate the business that you're in. So do what you enjoy. Yeah. So that leads me to a segue and then we can, can go out. Cause I know, you know, $1.2 million in GCI, you know, with seven agents um, working on your team right now, everyone wants to know what are your lead sources? Where are folks coming from? How are you finding those buyers and sellers? That's a great question. Um, sphere of influence and past clients are by far our number one. That's about 60, 65%. Um, from there, it's uh, 
paid paid marketing, which would be you know paid uh, pay per click um, through our our websites. So that's probably twenty twenty two percent, and then the then we'll have um, referral type things from Dave Ramsey or. Uh, we do a little bit of Zillow stuff, but we really cut back on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then agent referrals. Yeah. And then, and so you're in Atlanta, Georgia. So yep. just, if you're watching, <laughs> but um, so sphere and past business referral. So the agents on your team, they're working their spheres too. How do you facilitate that? How do you, how do that, how are they working with that? How do we facilitate that? Well, yeah, so are um, you doing client events? You, oh yeah, we do. Uh, we have a we have a client event every month, minimum of one a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did, you know, uh, what everybody does Thanksgiving pies to our past clients' sphere of influence. Um, we did two TSA pre-check events, which is where you can go get your TSA pre-check certifications. We've done that here. You hosted twice. one of those? Oh yeah. Two of them. That's amazing. Oh yeah, we had four hundred people each week come to our office. Oh my gosh! It cost us zero. Oh my gosh! Well, because we have to drive all the way down to San Diego. That's thirty-five miles from me. That's incredible. Uh, they have an RV that will come to your office. You just changed set my life, man. For free. <laughs> In so many ways. <laughs> set up, set up for free. Do it, and we got you know hundreds of people here. Um, hundreds of people here. Madhouse. Yeah, what an incredible value to saving time because they could be driving a whole bunch of, you know, but you've made it local and close. So yeah, so client events, we do movie nights and we do um, Santa events, photos with Santas. And we do a mimosas for moms the day that the moms drop their kids off at school. They can come by our our office and have a mimosa and they're either laughing giddy that the kids are going or crying because they just dropped their kid off for the first time. So, you know, it's, we're big on client events. So that's where our, our clients are, our, our agents are really, really good. Yeah. Really good. That's amazing. So I know that you have to go, but I knew everyone would be wondering where that $1.2 million in GCI is coming from. So thank you for sharing. Um, You're welcome. PSA thing. Man, I am going to be getting on that today. <laughs> yeah. If you want, reach out to me. We'll get to our contact. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um, Matt, thank you so much for being on today and sharing your story. I know that it's, it is definitely inspiring for me and we'd had a loss in the club wealth family a little earlier this year. And so, you know, your story really hits home. I know for a lot of people watching today, but yeah, and if anybody needs anything, don't, don't be, uh, don't be shy. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody uh, without a doubt, uh, anytime two in the morning, two in the afternoon, whatever. Just feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, your perseverance is so inspiring. And congratulations on your success and have a safe flight and have a great time in Chicago. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day.